whoever is listening, however you are listening, I want to welcome you back. My name is Grayson Man. This is the Man with a Plan podcast, episode 26. Guys, as always, thank you so much for the support you continue to pour on the podcast. You guys' support's going to pay off. This summer is going to be filled with content. I cannot wait. Now, before we delve into what happened, we are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Consider subscribing liking, leaving a five-star review if you like what you hear to help support the podcast. So you're probably wondering where I was, or why wasn't there an episode of the podcast, and so this is my thought process last week. It was about Monday, and I was thinking, all right, I could put out a podcast episode that was rushed about the NFL draft, what I'm expecting, looking forward to, and I had finals to deal with. I was going to move, I was moving out the next day on Friday and Saturday. It was just a whole mess. It was chaotic, so I was thinking, all right, when I get back and moved in, I'm settled. I'll make an episode about the draft and what we saw and my expectations moving forward, all the stuff. We'll talk about everything. I might consider splitting this into two parts if I have enough thoughts in my little brain to like spew out for you guys. I'm excited. There's also a lot of things that happened outside the draft that made things interesting, and we'll talk all about it. So I also had a pretty nasty cold. I had a really bad cough. I really couldn't speak without having to cough for a bit, so I also decided I'm not going to have it be a bunch of weird cuts for you guys. So that was decided on Monday that I just wait. And I think that's going to pay off. I think this episode's going to be fantastic. I hope you guys enjoy it. Let's talk about the summer plans. All right, we are back. I'm back home. I have finished the process of moving out from Clemson. I'm so sad. I miss you guys. If you're listening to the podcast right now, shout out to Building 14 at Clemson. You guys were fantastic. I think that this summer is going to be fantastic for you guys. I use the word fantastic a lot and maybe you get a different word, but I truly believe it. We're going to put out so much content, so many interviews, so many people that I've met and that I can't wait to meet in the future. The experiences, the episodes that we're going to put out, it's going to be fantastic before we transition into sophomore year. Guys, I know you're excited as much as I am. Let's get right into it. Today, we're going to talk about the NFL draft. The 2021 NFL draft has officially past. It's upon us. We've got our players. We've got our teams. What situations have come of this? We're going to talk about Aaron Rodgers. What in the hell happened while I was gone? I, you know, usually you hope as a podcaster and you're trying to like start up something and build an audience. You're like, I hope that the biggest story of the year doesn't drop while I'm trying to take a break. And then boom, the biggest story of the year drops while you're trying to take a break. And you're like, oh crap. All right. Well, I guess we got to talk about this too. So Aaron Rodgers, what happened? We're going to talk about the QBs. Five were picked in the top 15. What does it all mean? And then some big surprises, questionable picks, and what I think moving forward and our schedule. So let's start with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, what are you doing? So basically what happened, Aaron Rodgers told his team he's done. He wants out. It wasn't like a demand of a trade, but it's it, the, the writing's on the wall, and it's been on the wall for a long time. Ever since they drafted Jordan Love in the first round last year in the 2020 NFL draft, you were kind of thinking, all right, when's this relationship, when's this divorce going to happen? And I've got a gripe with Aaron Rodgers. I know you're going to be like, wow, he's a super talented player. He's one of the best players to ever play football, one of the best quarterbacks of all time. I hate Aaron Rodgers' leadership style. I think it's messy. I think it's tacky. And I think that there's a difference, a subtle difference between him and many other QBs when they go through these rough divorces that really just separate him from the most. Where do I think Aaron Rodgers is going to go? Denver, 
the Raiders. There's just so much. There's so many question marks with Aaron Rodgers. Is he just going to retire and pull a Brett Favre and we we'll just won't see him for a year? That's on the table too. Maybe that's something that we'll have to table for another time. If Aaron Rodgers takes the exact path as Brett Favre, that'll actually be really ironic at the same time. But I really want to talk about this leadership thing because Aaron Rodgers is known as a really like, he's a tough guy to deal with. And when you have a divorce like this, I always look back at how Tom Brady handled the divorce with the Patriots. You leave a place for 20 years and there's bound to be people asking, was there any bad blood? You stay with someone for so long, what happened? What changed? And Brady was nothing but respectful. Kraft and Belichick were nothing but respectful. It feels like it was just the right time to leave. It was a the, the mutual breakup, as you want to say. I'm sure Belichick and Kraft would love to have Tom Brady back because he won Tampa Bay a Super Bowl. But the pieces were in the right directions for Brady to be able to go and make his own legacy at Tampa Bay alongside trying to make another team winners, another team a group of champions. And I think that all this time, Brady could have trashed the Patriots. He could have said, don't go there. It's terrible to play. I hate Bill Belichick. He's the worst head coach. I created this. And you, it's evident with what New England did in 2021 with free agency. They're able to sign a lot of guys. A lot of people have respect for Coach Belichick. I think Cam Newton deserves a lot of that credit while they were able to pick up a lot of guys. And I think Brady, in most part, just keeping his mouth shut, not trashing the Patriots and that organization and craft, it really does a lot for the long run because players see that Brady was nothing but respectful. If they have an opportunity to go to play New England, they're going to go take it. Who wants to play in Green Bay right now? I feel bad for the kid that got drafted out of Georgia, Eric Stokes, in that first round. He doesn't want to be there. He's basically a chip and a pawn in that Aaron Rodgers feud. I feel bad for him. Any guys that are in there right now trying to develop their career, it could be nasty. And I'm really not looking forward to seeing how it falls out. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to get traded to Denver. And I think that's why they drafted a corner. We're going to talk about that later. A lot of people are saying, why didn't the Broncos draft Justin Fields? There's a reason for that. I just think that this Aaron Rodgers thing is a big mess. It's a whole big situation. His attitude is terrible. There's a lot of things I don't like about it. I think that he's really talented, but I think he severely lacks in the leadership department. All right, let's shift to the NFL draft. I really just, words cannot describe how much I love the NFL draft with all of my heart. You guys don't even get it. The NFL draft is just such an event. It's such a a place where hope, I actually used this phrase in the last time I talked about the NFL draft so long ago, a year ago, in the first episode, you're like, the draft is a place of hope. It's a place where teams feel like they got their guys again. I was being really cheesy and cliche because I thought it would like add to the tension of the podcast or make it like super cool, but I digress. Anyways, I just love the NFL draft. The chair was there. Goodell was there. The fans were there. Everyone was super happy. Everyone had their section for their team where they could all hang out. It was just great, and like the announcers were happy. It seemed like things were on a turning corner, like with just that we are turning a corner with this mess that we've been going on for the last year. So let's when we talk about the draft, I want to really focus on the five QBs that were taken. I want to go in order. I'm going to start with Trevor Lawrence, and we'll end with Mac Jones, and then we'll take a short break and we'll talk about my biggest surprises of the draft and what to expect moving forward. So let's get into Trevor Lawrence. This was the most obvious pick. If you had to bet in Vegas, you weren't going to earn much money because they're like, dude, you're betting basically that the rain, that the sky is going to be blue the next day. It was really, really great. And being a Clemson student and a lot of Clemson people around the world were just like, 
it's so cool to see Clemson be represented in such a way with Trevor Lawrence. He has such a high character. He's going to be great with Jacksonville. Let's talk about the pairing with him and Urban Meyer. I was really concerned how Urban Meyer was going to draft, and I think you could either go one way or the other with criticizing Urban Meyer. I would give him a year to be an NFL coach. You guys keep in mind he was a Fox Sports analyst for college football. He was a college football head coach for two really powerful schools, Florida, Ohio State, and Utah. He started out with Utah, the Utes. And he's used to recruiting guys. He's used to building a program where he gets all the pieces, all the all the prizes. So the NFL draft is a little different. And I think Urban's got to learn. He's got to take a year to learn the, the ropes of how to be an NFL coach. He's smart. He's quick on his feet. He's determined. And his bargaining chip to going to the NFL in the first place was that you're going to get Trevor Lawrence as your QB. Do I think it works in Jacksonville? Yes. I think that Jacksonville's got a roster. They got a lot of guys on the offense. Like DJ Chark, James Robinson. We'll see how Travis Etienne fits to that. That'll go into the surprise column, actually. We'll talk about that later. How does it all fit? I think Trevor Lawrence is the glue that holds the team together. I think they're going to be a really fun team, especially with 17 games. I think the value of that extra game for these rookie QBs, they're going to be able to develop more. They're going to be able to learn, see more, have more tape to study in the offseason. You're going to get your preseason. You're going to get your OTAs, your training camp, stuff that we didn't just simply didn't have last year. I'm excited for that extra value of practice. These guys need the reps, and I think what those rookie QBs suffered from last year, they lacked in the reps department. They weren't able to get a rhythm, a chemistry. It was affected on all across high school, college, and in the NFL. I think that Trevor Lawrence is going to pan out just fine. If I had to make a prediction, they'll go 6-11, and 7-10. and 10. They'll be a really fun team, competitive to watch, and you'll be like, watch out for Jacksonville in the coming years. Trevor is their guy. Now let's talk about Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson is the QB of the New York Football Jets. And I think that the New York Jets did a fantastic job in the first round especially. They got Zach Wilson, Elijah Vera Tucker. I think that what you're going to start to find is that do the Jets go through this big cycle again? Because it feels like every four years you get this Jets are drafting a QB again. And then four years later. It's like the presidential cycle. Oh, we get a new Democrat. Oh, we get a new Republican. Oh, we get a new Jets QB. It's Sam Darnold. It's Mark Sanchez. Geno Smith, who are we going to get next? Zach Wilson is the guy. It's almost like the Cleveland Browns jersey with all those QBs. Maybe we start getting a Jets jersey with that. That'd actually be kind of funny. If someone can find that, please send that to me. That would be hilarious to have. But I think Zach Wilson's going to bring a certain moxie to New York. He's got a good personality. He's a high, just like overall energetic guy. He's able to get the ball in the right places. I really like the way... That it feels like in this draft, let me just preface this for all guys, that they went to the place that fits for them, either whether their personality, whether scheme. I think Sayla and Zach Wilson will have this chip on their shoulder type vibe because Zach Wilson's going to come from a small school at BYU. Not like BYU's not a small school by any means, but football terms. And then Robert Sayla, the new NFL head coach, he's going to be up against a lot in his division. So they'll be able to pair together and learn together how to be NFL players and NFL coaches. I really like Zach Wilson. I'm the most worried for him just because the Jets are the Jets and you never know how that's going to turn out, but maybe I'm proven wrong and I would love to be proven wrong. I'd love to see an AFC East division that's got the Dolphins, Pats, Bills, and just the Jets just mesh well together. They become the most competitive division in football. That would be fun to see and we'll find out if they can do that. Let's move on to Trey Lance. We're just going rapid fire, guys. We're going to talk, get my opinion out. What do I think? Maybe a record or two and just like some stuff. So let's talk about Trey Lance. This was definitely a shock, especially when people were telling you Mac Jones is going to be the QB taken with the 49ers. A lot of people thought it fit Shanahan's offense, and while it does, 
I wanted actually, this is, I was super excited about this. I wanted to use this. All right, hear me out. Let's say you're Kyle Shanahan and you drive a Honda Accord. And that Honda Accord, it gets you places. It gets you, it's valuable. You like it. It's able to get where you need to go. Good gas mileage. You see your friends from high school every two, twice a year. And your friends from high school got a convertible, a Corvette, a Porsche. And you're like, man, I love those Porsches. They're fast. They're smooth. They get you where you need to go even quicker. And they do it. And they're very fancy doing it. You like your Honda Accord. It's nice. It gets you places. It may not be as flashy as those cars. But you, sometimes you go into that dealership. You drive it by, drive by that dealership on the way to work. And you're like, man, I'd love an upgrade. I love my Honda Accord. But... I just need an upgrade, man. I need that convertible. I need to be able to take the top off when it's super nice outside and just drive with the wind in that great temperature. Jimmy Garoppolo is that Honda Accord. Mac Jones is that Honda Accord. We're talking about that Honda Accord thing with the Patriots. Patriots are fine with the Honda Accord. They don't care who... Well, what, New England doesn't care who, who what people are driving. They don't focus on their own thing. But for Shanahan, it's a little different. He's kind of in this rivalry with Sean McVay as the smartest head coach in football. And, like, who can outmaster the other one? Who can outclass the other? And it's just a battle, constant battle. Jimmy Garoppolo has not really won yet any battles recently. And so what I'm thinking, I think Trey Lance was that convertible. I think Trey Lance gets you where you need to go. He's flashy while he does it. And everyone's looking at you and they're like, whoa, nice car, dude. And you get those compliments. People double take. Kyle Shanahan wants to be driving that convertible when he's facing his opponents like Matthew Stafford, Kyler Murray. Russell Wilson, those guys that can do it all. Sure, he'd love to have Matt Jones or Jimmy Garoppolo who are reliable, but Trey Lance has an ability and a potential to be able to elevate you to places you've never even been able to take your offense. And I think Trey Lance could do that with a talent like Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, George Kittle. The possibilities are endless to what you could do with that San Francisco offense in a division that you sorely need that guy to take you over the top. you got to have battles with Kyler Murray twice a year, Russell Wilson twice a year, Matthew Stafford now. Matthew Stafford's no Honda Accord, or he's no sedan. He's he's able to take you places. He's good. He's been hindered by the Detroit Lions for half of his career, like the decade of his career, and we're about to see how it goes with L.A. I'm really excited, actually, what Sean McVay's crafted up. Oh, the, the football season is just going to be so much fun. Oh, my gosh. But Trey Lance, the sample size, while small, I think that his style really fits with what Shanahan wants. He's able to run people over. He's able to pass really well. Man, that North Dakota State thing, that trend with Carson Wentz may give you some issues, but I think you just got to see it through. And Jimmy Garoppolo, you could still have him for one more year, let Trey Lance learn to be a pro, and then give him the keys to the offense. I think you got a great situation in San Francisco, and I think they're going to be a playoff contender for years to come. All right, let's move on to QB4 off the board. This was Justin Fields. And the the team that kind of shocked me was Chicago that made the move. I want to take you guys back to January when it was in the playoffs. It was 7-3, to three, and Trubisky throws probably the nicest pass of his career, and it's dropped. And I go, well, that's the game. And I didn't think that Trubisky at first was going to be able to make the Saints-Bears game very competitive, but he did. And I was thinking the entire time, Chicago has a fantastic roster. They got one of the best defenses in the NFL, one of the best receivers in the NFL, and just a fantastic head coach who can scheme really well. Why aren't the Bears good? And I look on the screen, number 10, Mitchell Trubisky. 
Trubisky's now a backup for the Buffalo Bills. Trubisky should not have been picked over Mahomes or Watson. The argument there, it's it's just a big mess. You were very shocked to hear Trubisky's name called, and it showed. Chicago is in disarray. They are barely making the playoffs just because that roster alone is so talented that it could carry a Trubisky-Foles combo that was just really painful to watch and let them do the playoffs. And they were competitive for three and a half quarters till Drew Brees eventually pulled away. Part of me was thinking, they're going to win this game. I'm going to be shocked. Oh my gosh, we're going to be so wrong. Let's imagine if they had Aaron Rodgers on that Bears team, or Tom Brady, or even Kirk Cousins. You get a QB that can elevate that offense, that team. I think Justin Fields is going to be that guy to do it. I think Justin Fields is electric. I think he's tough. He's what Chicago needs, that tough word. You got to take him back to that Sugar Bowl game, and I'll be the first to admit it. I was wrong about Justin Fields. We are very controversial on this podcast. We were able, we called him out. We were not the biggest fans of his performance in the 2020 season. Games against Northwestern, games against just the Rutgers where he threw multiple picks. And I was like, man, not Rutgers. It was the uh, Indiana Hoosiers. My fault. But those multiple interceptions games, I was like, man, there's just something off about Fields. This is why I took him over Trevor. And that Sugar Bowl game, Ohio State had the time to work the chemistry with the receivers after a mess of a COVID season where they're only able to play about six to seven games. And some of them were canceled, and a lot of people thought they shouldn't have been there. Justin Fields gets hammered by James Skalski, and then he takes Clemson for a joyride. Six touchdowns, absolutely, completely efficient. Clemson had no answer. Their secondary were completely lost. Justin Fields was carving them up, and he proved that night that he was among the best for the NFL draft. And Chicago realized it. They are on thin ice. They're basically one step away from the ice falling beneath them and Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy losing both of their jobs. They're on a tight leash and Chicago is ready to pull it. It's bad. So I think that they made this last-ditch effort with Justin Fields. If this had been Matt Jones, we probably would have had a different conversation, but I think Fields is that tough element. He's that kind of guy that can elevate Chicago. Allen Robinson's going to be happy that they're having a new QB. Let's hope that they can develop an offense around Justin Fields that really takes this to the next step. And I want to make an actual bold claim. I think Chicago will win the NFC North next year. If Justin Fields pans out at all to what he was at Ohio State, it's going to be a scary team. Khalil Mack, that defense is going to stop you at any turn, and the offense is going to be able to put up points to replicate it. This is a team that really only needs to score 17 points a game to really keep things within the realm of winning. If they score 20, you're going to win the game. If Justin Fields is able to take this team to even half of what Trubisky wished he could take it to, watch out. That could be a team that wins the NFC North consistently. Because Aaron Rodgers, we don't know what the heck he's doing. The Detroit Lions, Dan Campbell might bite somebody's knee off and get suspended for four games. And then we don't know what the Vikings are going to be with Kirk Cousins. They may be competitive. They may fall into go 4-12. and 12. They're a real mystery to me. We'll do, team, we'll do in-depth team dives this summer. We're going to go through each division and after the draft and... I think halfway through training camp, we'll start to do that because injuries could pop up that make things change, and we'll just do a record prediction. I'm really actually excited for that when the schedule releases and drops because those order of those games really matter. But I think Chicago's got a real shot to win the NFC North. Justin Fields, he elevates his play. If he elevates the guys around him, the defense will respond to that. I'm very excited to see what Justin Fields does with the Chicago Bears. Now, finally, before we take a short break, let's talk about Mac Jones. And I know you're going to go, oh, the New England Patriots... You're rolling your eyes right now. I can tell. I can see it. I, I see all. Oh, oh. But with Mac Jones with the Patriots, I think it could not have been a better fit. 
And I think that a lot of fans probably wanted Justin Fields, Trey Lance, someone more exciting. But I think for New England, it's never been about the athleticism. It's never been about what you can't do. It's always been about what you can do. And what Mac Jones can do, he's an intelligent QB. And I think what made Brady so great in New England is that he had the drive to do it, and he also had the intelligence to do it. He was able to carve apart defenses, and he was able to understand a playbook that was so hard to master for so many. And while he was in the system for so long, I think Mac Jones is going to be able to take that playbook in New England and really take it in stride. If he's able to translate his accuracy, his good decision-making, I think New England's got a QB of the future. He may not be as explosive as Josh Allen or potentially a Zach Wilson. We'll see how Tua pans out. But they'll be competitive. You'll get a defense that's reliable with Bill Belichick and a quarterback that takes care of the ball. Now, what do you do with Cam Newton? Belichick said in his conference, his press conference, that Cam's a starter until somebody plays better. So I think what could happen is that mid through the year, Belichick will have this tight leash on Cam Newton. He might have a multiple interception game and he goes, Mac, get in there. And that's the season for basically Cam Newton. I think that this training camp, you're going to have June, July, August. They're going to have a lot of time to be able to decide, does Mac Jones have what it takes? I'm sure Belichick would love to sit him for the year and just take time with this and let it develop. But he's also never spent a first-round pick on a QB before. This is the first time in the Belichick era that he's done this. So you have to be thinking in the thought mind bubble of Bill Belichick with the dog, Robert Kraft, and him missing Tom Brady, that he drafted Mac Jones for a reason and that Mac Jones is going to play. So there's your excitement. I was so happy to see Mac Jones. There's actually a a thing where he dapped up the commissioner and hugged him. And he was like, I wanted to go here all along, but don't tell anybody. It was really funny. If he wants to be there and he's excited, I think that production's going to translate on the field. I think New England's got a good situation. They finally got their guy of the future. And I think in this special situation, all the QBs went to the right spot. And that really is exciting to hear. Really exciting to see. Will that pan out necessarily? Probably not, but the hope of the NFL draft makes something like this very unique, and we'll be able to talk about it for months on end, and I'm so hyped. All right, when we return, we're going to talk about my biggest surprises of the draft. Jacksonville? Oakland? Oakland. Oh, no, not Oakland. Las Vegas. Las Vegas Raiders. What are they doing? We'll talk about a couple things that I was shocked about in the draft, and then we'll wrap it up with a little update with what we're going to do this summer and what to expect. This is Grayson Mann. This is the Man with the Plan podcast, episode 26. We'll be right back. All right, and we are back. This is the Man with the Plan podcast, episode 26. Let's go over the biggest surprises to me in the NFL draft. Obviously, there's always going to be some picks that are questionable, some picks that you may find yourself scratching your head. What went wrong there? Will, the, I, will those guys regret it in a year or two? Some ones that really pop off my head. The Titans with Caleb Farley. The thing with his back really concerns me, but Tennessee's always making those bold picks. It didn't really work out last year with Isaiah Wilson, but we'll figure that out. The ones I really want to talk about are three. Najee Harris to the Pittsburgh Steelers was a surprise. Travis Etienne to the Jacksonville Jaguars, and Alex Leatherwood to the Oakland... Las Vegas Raiders. I, mean, I keep saying Oakland like Oakland's like they're still in Oakland playing on that baseball field with the A's. Grayson's got to drill it out of your head. Vegas, Vegas, Vegas. Anyways, I really want to talk about Gruden and Mayock. I was on the phone with my dad and I said, Dad, I think that Mayock and Gruden might be having a tough time transitioning from that TV draft to what they're actually trying to do as a team. I think Mayock and Gruden, they're great personalities. They're great 
Gruden's a great coach, obviously won a Super Bowl with Tampa Bay, but this transition, it's really not been the best. I don't think that Gruden and Mayock really know what they're doing sometimes. Not saying that I could draft better than them, because clearly I can't, but the high picks and the reaches that they've had the last couple years, obviously Henry Ruggs was pretty good, but Farrell, this Leatherwood guy, these like high character guys, they're trying to build a team with guys with high character. It feels like the right move to do. But when the dude's projected as a day two guy, you got to go and get the best guy on the board instead of your own personal mantra. Sometimes that you got to work out those problems. I think what New England did with Ronnie Perkins, this guy has got some issues, but Belichick's going to have a tight leash. He dra drafted him in the later round for a reason. Talent, high risk, high reward type guy in those rounds. Obviously, you don't want to use that on every pick, but I think that Oakland, they've been playing it a little too safe. And sometimes you just got to go out there and pick somebody that maybe not work, maybe it might not work out, but you want things to be able to, fans to be amazed and not disappointed again. I was like, Alex Leatherwood, who's that? And it was the guard from Alabama, and they're not really in the department. Obviously, the Raiders' offensive line is a little depleted right now because Gruden made a lot of moves in the offseason. And I'm not trying to say that they're idiots and they have no idea what they're doing, but sometimes I'm just scratching my head with Oakland, you know? It's just a little weird. I'm like, why are they doing that? And they always seem to be on the cusp of the playoffs each year. They, they've got the roster to do it, but there's just something to hold them back. And I just don't know what it is. Is it a drafting? Is it Mayock? Is it Gruden? Is it Carr? I have no idea. The Raiders are just a head-scratcher to me. Is it the new place in Vegas? I don't know. They always seem to beat these great teams every year. And the Raiders in general just don't make sense to me sometimes. If there's a Raiders fan that's listening to this and you just want to come talk on the podcast about Raiders football and slap some sense into me, please do it. Because I just I, the Raiders confuse me. Alright, let's talk about Travis Etienne. Travis Etienne was a powerhouse running back out of Clemson. He was a guy that was, he just speared his way through the tackles. He was able to find those holes, burst onto the scene. He was a fantastic, explosive guy. And so people are like, why did Jacksonville draft Travis Etienne in the first round when they have James Robinson? And here's the thing. I know Urban Meyer is new to this, but I think we need to give him some time. And I said this earlier in the podcast that we need to give Gruden... Gruden. We need to give Myers the time to be able to find the guys that he wants and find the team that he needs. And I think that with Etienne and Trevor, you're going to get some familiarity there. They're going to be able to learn the NFL ropes together. And I think that Etienne and James Robinson will be a fantastic one-two punch. But wait, you say, they have Carlos Hyde. Carlos Hyde is expendable. This pick really just shows that. He's on borrowed time. He might be there to mentor those guys, teach them how to be NFL pros. I don't think Hyde's going to be there for the long term. This is going to be a a running back group where it's going to be Travis Etienne and James Robinson. What if one of those guys gets hurt? You saw with Dallas and Carolina when Christian McCaffrey and Ezekiel Elliott were struggling a little bit. You didn't really have a guy behind you that could really take over and really transform the team. This was especially with Carolina when Christian McCaffrey went down for a majority of the season. Mike Davis is good and fine, but he's not a explosive running back that can really take over when you need it the most. I really like Travis Etienne. Maybe they reached with a first-round pick. Maybe they could have gotten him right in the second round. But it's just, there's a lot of things moving around. Urban Meyer's got to learn how to be a coach in the pros. So we'll have to give him some time. This isn't going to happen overnight. All right, I really want to talk about the Jets real quick before we wrap things up. The Jets made moves. Elijah Vera Tucker was drafted by the Jets, a guard out of USC. And it feels like the Jets are trying to do something different. They're trying to build around their QB and not make their life a living hell. Whenever they try to get into the ropes, we're assuming that Wilson's going to be a day one starter. He's going to take over a Jets team that's been dysfunctional since I've been born. And 
I think the Jets showing faith in Wilson and drafting an offensive lineman is just really shocking to me. I've always been around the Jets with this dysfunctional attitude. They've always never seemed to figure it out. They've always been a meme. It's been great <laughs> in some cases. But if Zach Wilson has a successful career, it's because Sayla is going to turn this culture around and find guys that are really willing to stick it through. The year, first year might be rough. They might be really bad. But they're going to start drafting guys. You'll have Mikai Becton, Elijah Vera Tucker. You'll have a solid foundation. This is what the Jets have always needed, a foundation to build off of. Maybe you get five wins or six wins, but you have that foundation to build success off of. Good, solid players that are able to come in and contribute, not just as training chips a year later like Jamal Adams or Sam Darnold. You need guys that'll stay there thick and thin, that'll be really contributing to ultimately win you a Super Bowl, because that's what it's all about. We're all chasing the same thing here. It's winning trophies. And I think for the Jets, those picks really exemplify what they're trying to do. It's that foundation. Zach Wilson's the quarterback. Elijah Vera Tucker's the guy to build off of to make sure that you have something established. And I'm really excited to see what they do in the offseason. All right. Let's talk about what we're going to do this summer. Before we wrap things up, guys, I want to thank you so much for listening to the podcast. This was the NFL Draft Podcast. We're going to talk about the draft a lot more. A lot of things are going to happen. Numbers, moves, changes. I am so pumped for it. You guys are going to be there for it too. So I think this summer you're going to expect a lot. And I'm not going to announce this official release schedule until I get really settled next weekend. I'm going to go out and make some changes. I'm trying to get a table and make things a little more official. So things can feel normal, I guess, for you guys, if that's what we want to say. But expect a lot. A lot of interviews are coming. A lot of great things are coming. I'm so excited for what's coming. I keep saying prepare for what's to come because guess what? It's going to happen. Things are changing. This podcast is growing. We have a great audience, a great group of people who are listening. I can't wait to contribute to that and make things bigger and brighter and better. Guys, thank you so much as always for listening. This is Grayson Mann. Thank you so, so much. I really appreciate it. You guys have no idea. Have a fantastic summer. Have a fantastic day. Expect more and take care.